this one here is champion Iron Mike Tyson. And I find it totally ludicrous that somebody would waste their time listening to our data with Dallimore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. it again. Thank you for joining us. Episode 445 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, as I always am, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined by the lady, like I always am, the beautiful, talented, scholarly co-host of mine and yours, Brittany Page. Two podcasts in one day. In just hours apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost waited. We talked about it. And just too much crap was happening to not get right back in here and talk about all of the the craziness. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were talking earlier and I said, maybe we won't have a president in a few days. <laughs> maybe that's that's wishful thinking. But with with un, with anonymous op eds in the in the New York Times, with this Bob Woodward book and all of the the, the, the things that are predicating possibly that anonymous uh, op-ed with the Kavanaugh hearing it, it's just there's it is really the walls are closing in on Donald Trump and I think he knows it yeah people who are actually working in the the media and the real media are working overtime right now I don't, th- oh, I don't yeah. think they're sleeping I don't think they sleep well I mean <laughs> you can see it is kind of a weird thing because over the weekend it was, you know, uh, Labor Day weekend, so all of the the A team were off. They are on vacation. Jake Tapper, uh, Anderson, you know, leading up to the to the the holiday weekend, mm-hmm. they were all off, and it was the B team in for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come back, and immediately it, it, shit hits the fan. Yeah. They're working overtime. Well, I was watching an interview with Wolf Blitzer, and he was saying that um, when he got hired like 20 years ago or whatever, 30 years ago, that he um, was the breaking news guy. And so anytime there was breaking news, like he knew it's in his contract or something that he has to come back. And um, Jimmy Kimmel did a little bit with him where like, what would... (laughs) what would be big enough breaking news that he would need to end his vacation and come back. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's just a part of his life. He might have to end his vacation because news happens. Like, he can't go anywhere right now. He can't Mm -mm. go anywhere. No way. Because something could happen any moment. And it is happening. Yeah, every day. (laughs) Every single day. You know, I I wonder what it was like for those the, the guys back in the day. Like, when CNN started, there was nothing like it. A twenty-four mm-hmm. hour news channel? That's insane. Why what who's gonna watch that? Mm-hmm. When will there ever be enough news to cover something or have the news on twenty-four hours a day? Right. Like I remember when I was in the Marine Corps and I, I in my barracks I had a TV. Actually it wasn't common that everybody had a TV in their room. Mm-hmm. But I had a TV and I always had a headline news on. Mm. When when it was headline news and not HLN and whatever 
Nancy Grace. Yeah, whatever bullshit's on there now. Mm-hmm. It was like... A- Casey Anthony coverage 24-7. Yeah, right. Still. Yeah, it wasn't that. It mm-hmm. was like 15 or 20 minute cycles of the headlines of the day. Mm-hmm. And then as new headlines would come in, they'd filter those into their copy and read it. Um, but that that doesn't really work and it wouldn't work in this day and age, I don't think, too well because of the fact that news is ever evolving and ever breaking. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. Today is a case in point. For sure. This episode is going to be all about the shenanigans in Washington, D.C., from Donald Trump to Capitol Hill. Um, So I guess there's really no better way to get into it than uh, making it official. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So let's start with something a little less serious on the House side of the Capitol today, because you know the House runs separate from the Senate. They have their separate committees. They run their separate investigations, and they hold separate hearings. Well, they they were having hearings on with social media executives. In fact, Jack from Twitter was there today. And uh, another person who was there today is Alex Jones, making the rounds. I kind of wonder if he's doing that because his outlet shut down. So now he's trying to make news for himself. He's still on Twitter, though, right? He is still on Twitter, Because there were some protesters at the hearing that were angry at Jack Dorsey. So I, I was wondering if maybe he was there for that, but he's probably just there for like the cens- censorship issue, period. It, it sounds I would like assume. it. So what I think he's trying to do is make himself, uh, keeping himself relevant. Because mm-hmm. I have a clip here that I'm not going to play because now we've got way too much to cover. But he's trying to, he's getting interviewed by the press. He's being interviewed by the mainstream media. There's a bank of cameras, there's a bank of microphones, and he's talking to him about a globalist, oh, whatever, you know, gay frogs, whatever he talks about. We're not going to play that. There's another clip where he made his way in to whatever hallway, and Marco Rubio is given an actual interview to a group of journalists, and off camera... At first, it's off camera, and then it devolved into him being on camera. He's chirping in the ear of Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio, senator from Florida, Republican. Former presidential uh, candidate. Right. And uh, uh, it devolved pretty rapidly. The, the, um... She's not answering. Just the Republicans are acting like it isn't happening. Thank God Trump is. Well, it's I, weird, man. Oh, yeah, it's really uh, weird. There's no purge of conservatives. I don't know. There's no shadow banning. Who's this guy? Of, of, are you, are you concerned about bias in social media? Yeah, who's this huh? guy? We deplatform. Are you conser- me. concerned about bias in social media? Well, so I think the bigger bias is against freedom of expression. Everybody should be. There's a. There's a. Look, I, I support here. going it's after. It's here, but you say I don't exist. Is that a heckler or a press yeah. gaggle? Look at this guy. <laughs> the, He's saying that I don't exist and they're I just don't know who you are, man. I don't read weird websites. Sure. And they demonize me in these very hearings. And then he plays dumb. Infowars.com, you, you know what it is. Does, well. does Google, does Facebook, does That's Twitter, why you do they need to be regulated like, like do, do they need to be regulated? <laughs> Marco Rubio, the snake. This is a dumbass. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, who are you? Who yeah, is sure. this guy? I swear to God, I yeah, don't you know better who hope you are, man. You better hope you can deplatform me. Tens of millions of views. Infowars. Bigger than Rush Limbaugh. 
He knows who InfoWars well, is. He's playing this joke over here. That's why the deplatforming didn't work. But, but, but here, here's, here's the question. Here's a question. Hey, don't touch me again, man. I'm asking you not to touch me. Well, sure, I'm just bad at you nicely. I know, but I don't want to be. I don't know. Oh, you you, man. I don't know who you are. It's not just good You're not going to get arrested, Amendment. man. You're it's not going to get arrested. I'll take care of it myself. Oh, oh, he'll beat me up. I didn't say that. You didn't know who I am, but he's so mad. You're not going to silence me. You're not going to silence America. Well, but, there are, but there are people. You are like you are literally like a little gangster thug. There are there are people in this country. <laughs> Rubio who just threatened to physically <laughs> take care of me. There are people who Look feel that they're being. Um, well, you already got rid of my First Amendment. Silence. They feel like he tells you China's by, the problem, by, which it is. But they're taking our like free Google, speech right now. Social, social media platforms, Facebook. There goes Rubio. Twitter. Do you believe that these these platforms need to be regulated? This is listen. This guy. Well, as you heard, he touches Marco Rubio's yeah, he, shoulder. Yeah, he puts his hand up on his shoulder. Right. And, I mean, you can hear how antagonistic he's being. He's insulting him. Encroaching he's calling on him his, a snake. Encroaching on his space. He's getting closer and closer to him. And you can tell that Marco Rubio gets bothered by these comments. He gets bothered. Yeah. He, at first, he's not looking at him. He's not acknowledging him. Then he starts trying to laugh at him and act like it's a joke. Then he gets really pissed and finally turns toward him, like turns his body toward him. Yeah, and yeah. starts talking to him. Directly uh, addresses him right so it kind of slowly is escalating and then alex jones touches him and the cop who's behind mm-hmm. the plainclothes uh capital police officer mm-hmm. he pushes alex's hand off of him and says mm-hmm. that no and you could he is laser focused on alex jones yeah. the entire time well, he's ready to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's oddly enough Smaller than Rubio. Yeah, he was smaller than Marco Rubio, but he looked like he was getting ready to tackle Alex Jones. He looked like a little bulldog. Yeah. Not a guy that you want to mess around with. Yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. Um, But it's just Alex Jones. I'm just trying to to put myself on the ground in that situation. Yeah. And knowing Alex Jones, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would let it go that him putting his hands on me. Well, that's the other thing. Do you think Marco Rubio really doesn't know who Alex Jones is? No, he, of course he knows who he is. Of course. I mean, there's, he just, knows. there's just no way he doesn't know who he is. Alex Jones is doing mainstream interviews with, with Megyn Kelly. Mm-hmm. He's being sued by the state of Texas right now because of the Sandy Hook stuff. I'm sure there's legislation that has been uh, bandied about relative to... Um, this his, his kind of person. It's funny that the first thing you referenced was Megyn Kelly's interview rather than like Donald Trump going on Alex Jones's show. <laughs> no, well, th- well, that's true too. Yeah, but I mean, he's been on major networks that right. have made major news and been major controversies. And that was my question too. What is he doing there? Like, why is he in with the reporters? I don't. Well. It, when you're inside the Capitol complex, they're in an office building there. Uh, it looked like they were in the Russell office building. When you're in in the the buildings there, um, you're you can just kind of roam free. Like once you're in there, like you can, like anyone can just pass security and then just like roam around. Yeah, you're. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Because you have, you don't have to have like a hall pass and then why are you in this hall? You're supposed to be in that hall. Once you're in, you're in because you're secured. Hmm. And that's where the hearings were taking place. I think the hearings were taking place, well, it's one or the other. It's either the Hart or the Russell. And are the hearings open or you have to have a pass to be in the hearing? Well, what they do is they line people up really, really early mm-hmm. before the hearing. So it's like a concert? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Especially ones that people really want to watch, like, oh, wow. like a confirmation hearing like this level. 
So, like when I worked on the Hill, I worked on a, uh, the campaign finance, government reform, government oversight committee, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't work for the committee, but I worked in the position I was in. I was assigned there, mm-hmm. so um, we would line up. There would be like a, a press pool, mm-hmm. and then there'd be a, a public line. And if the, the more popular it was, the longer each one of those lines was. That's when I tell the story about meeting um, Chris Matthews for the first time. Mm. And he pulled the, he tried to get in without waiting. We got to wait in line, dude. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, well, don't you know who I am? I know exactly who you are, guy. Wow. He pulled that. You, don't you know who I am? Mm-hmm. But it's, a lot of people don't like, to, the public doesn't ever mind because that's what you do. Right. It's the media who gets a little, especially the celebrity type media. Okay. So basically, anyway, yeah. basically he can, he can roam around and that's why he was there. He, he wasn't like given a press pass or no, something. No, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah. Not at all. But it is, listen, you don't, um, you don't do that. <laughs> it's not your role. Well, you shouldn't be putting your hands on anybody. Especially I mean, a United States Senator. Yeah. You can't touch people. No. <laughs> but maybe he was hoping for something to happen. I, I, I think that is what he does. Yeah. He, I think he yearns for the moment that he gets beaten up or gets punched. I mean, how crazy would have it added to this day if Marco Rubio had... Gotten in a physical fight even with if Alex brushed, Jones. Even if he had brushed his hand off his shoulder, mm-hmm. that would have been like, oh, my God. And even he's like, oh, he's, 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 a, he's a gangster thug. He's trying to blah, blah, you know... Come on. Yeah, I think that his response to Alex Jones was perfect. I think it was perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah. Totally appropriate. Yeah. You're not going to get arrested. I'll handle it myself. Yeah. I mean, he was being very aggressive. Yeah. Alex Jones. So. So so the other, this was the Senate side. The other side, the thing that happened today was on the House side. And <laughs> Laura Loomer, who is associated loosely with Alex Jones, She's with the 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 Mike Cernovich flavor of conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. right wing nutter. I think she got banned from Twitter, right? She did. She has been banned from Twitter. Yeah. yeah, she was there today and interrupted a committee hearing on social media, and uh, it did not go down like any interruption I've ever heard in my limited experience with Capitol Hill and hearings. Chair now recognizes the. Order. We'll have order in the hearing room or you'll be asked to leave. You'll, ma'am, if you'll please take a seat or we'll have to have you, then you'll need to relieve. Donald Trump, help us. Please help us, Mr. President, before it is too late because Jack Dorsey is trying to influence the election, huh? to sway the election. What's she saying? I can't Democrats understand her. What? The election. That is why I'm censoring and shadow banning. How about it in? 12 and a half, 15, 7 and a half, 20 dollar, 2 and a half, 5, 7 and a half, 30. Yep, $30 down here, 2 and a half, 5, 35, 7 and a half, 40. Yep, $40 down here, 2 and a half, 5, 5, 45, 7 and a half, 50. Yep, $50 down here, 2 and a half, 5, Officer, will you escort this young lady out, please? Yep, 2 and a half, now 5, 55, 7 and a half, 70. Up to it, have now five seventy five and seven half eighty dollar to five eighty five ninety eight a hundred dollar and a ten 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 a quarter one a quarter one hands and about two 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 and a quarter it two and hands and about three able to bomb three hundred it three and a quarter cut three and a quarter now half half three and a half and about four hundred yeah but a four four and a quarter four and a half we're selling the cell phone there four and a quarter four and a half hit four and a half four seventy five five hundred five five and a quarter five and a half I yield back. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> 
somehow I think our auctioneer and resident's going to get tweeted about today. <laughs> and that, what you heard, was Billy Long, Representative Billy Long from Missouri, Republican, who in a former life was an auctioneer, as you could tell. Yeah. Who, rather than like, you be quiet, la la la, he started shouting her down by overbearing auctioneering. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty impressive, it actually. It has to be a first. No better way to deal with the troll. Y- yeah. An in, in real life, in person troll. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive skill that he has. He's a member of the National Auctioneers Association and the Missouri Professional Auctioneers Association. He's also been inducted into the Missouri Professional Auctioneers Hall of Fame. They have a Hall of Fame, do they? They do. Wow. So he is, I mean, we, we're hearing from the expert here. This is like how it's done. Hall of Fame. There's something kind of uh, mesmerizing about auctioneers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I would not venture to try. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is we didn't have to hear what Laura Loomer had to say. President Trump, save us! Save us! Ugh. Yeah, save save Laura Loomer because she can't get her propaganda and conspiracy theories out via Twitter anymore. You, you know who she is, by the way? She's the ding-dong on Twitter who took a picture of her blown-out tire and mm-hmm. said someone slashed her tires and sabotaged them. And Twitter went nuts because they were dry rotted on the side. Like they were the oldest fucking tires in the hit. It was like a Model T tire that she took and put on her car. And then she was acting like she was someone tried to sabotage her. Wow. So she's not even trying. And she's not very smart. Wow. <laughs> so let's get into something a little bit more, a little bit more serious. Kamala Harris, who is our senator here in California, one of them questioned Brett Kavanaugh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh today during his confirmation hearing to be an associate justice on the United States Supreme Court. This is the Judiciary Committee. She is the former Attorney General for the state of California. And say what you will about uh, Kamala Harris, she's a boss. Yeah, this is just so impressive. I mean, I could listen to this all day long. It's like music to my ears. It was so beautiful. Kamala Harris is, first of all, she's a former prosecutor, Mm -hmm. and so she has a certain set of skills, (laughs) (laughs) and she puts them to use with Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, well, this exchange- It's like a cat and a mouse. No, that that is perfect. (laughs) That is what it is. And I would love to, if this exchange wasn't so alarming to me- Yeah. Because this is serious. This isn't just normal cat and mouse type of questioning on a, on a committee. The fact that he will not answer this particular question that should be easy. He's hiding something. And it's something that is vitally important. Listen to her questioning Brett Kavanaugh about who he has or has not spoken with about Robert Mueller and his investigation. Listen to his response. Listen to the fear, the palpable fear that he, that she knows something that he doesn't think she should know. Judge, have you ever discussed Special Counsel Mueller or his investigation with anyone? 
Well, it's uh, in the news every day. I, have you discussed it with anyone? Uh, with other judges, I know. Uh, have you discussed Mueller or his investigation with anyone at Kasowitz, Benson, and Torres, the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, President Trump's personal lawyer? Uh, Be sure about your answer, sir. <laughs> Um, well, I'm not remembering, but if you have something you want to... Are you certain you've not had a conversation with I, anyone at that law firm? Kasowitz, Benson. Oh, Kasowitz, uh, Benson, and yeah. Torres, which is the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, yeah. who is... Are you hearing this? Kasowitz and... Also, she said, be certain about your answer. And and he and he goes on and she says, so you're saying you didn't speak to anyone here? And he's like, I didn't say that. No. I mean, he he kind of panics yeah. a little bit. He's like, wait, I didn't say and he doesn't finish it. But he's saying, wait, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that. Hold on. And, and a couple times and you're going to hear it. He it's almost I don't know if he directly asks it or you could he's getting ready to want to ask or want to say, I need to know why you want to know that. When that's not in his purview. Mm -hmm. It's not up to him to decide why any senator wants to know something. Right. You just answer the questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> he's scared here. President Trump's personal lawyer. Are you, have you had any conversation about Robert Mueller or his investigation with anyone at that firm? Yes or no? Well, is there a person you're talking about? I'm asking you a very direct question, yes or no. I, I need to know the... Uh, I'm not sure I know everyone who works right at that law firm. I, I need to know... I don't uh, think you need to. I think you need to know who you talked with. Who'd you talk to? I don't think I... I I'm not remembering, but I'm, I'm happy to be refreshed or if you want to tell me who you're thinking so are who you, works... I, are you saying that with all that you remember... You have an impeccable memory. You've been speaking for almost eight hours, I think more, with this committee about all sorts of things you remember. Yeah. How can you not remember whether or not you had a conversation about Robert Mueller or his investigation with anyone at that law firm? This investigation has only been going on for so long, sir. So right, I'm not sure I do I, I, I'm just trying to think, do I know anyone who works at that firm? I might know. Have you had a, that's not my question. My question is, have you had a conversation with anyone at that firm about that investigation? It's a really specific question. I would like to know the person you're thinking of, because what if there's... I think you're thinking of someone and you don't want to tell us. <laughs> Who did you have a conversation with? At I, I am... I'm not Mr. Go. Chairman, I, I, I'd like to raise an objection here. Um, this town is really full of law this. firms. Law firms are full of people. First of all, I'd like you to pa on. pause the clock. Thank you. The clock is paused. Thank you. Pause the clock. Let me raise the my objection. Recognized. This town is full of law firms. Law firms are full of people. Law firms have a lot of names. There are a lot of people who work at a lot of law firms. Well, I'll pause it while the, the protester comes in. This is Mike Lee from Utah, who steps in with his point of order, which is justified or not justified. And what I believe he's doing here is giving Brett Kavanaugh one of two things, maybe both. One, time to fucking think of an answer. Time to think of how he's going to respond to this question. Because it was obvious in the moment he was fucking floundering and he needed an assist. The other thing that he might be doing 
is actually giving the strategy to Brett Kavanaugh of how to answer, how to combat this line of questioning. Because when they come back from Mike Lee talking, Brett Kavanaugh all of a sudden is using the same exact uh, defense that Mike Lee just talked about. And be a hero and vote no. Be a hero and vote no. You have a responsibility to all Americans. Be a hero and vote no. Be a hero. Senator Lee, on that point, um, <clears throat> law firms abound in this town, and there are a lot of them. They're constantly metastasizing. They break off. They form new firms. They're like uh, rabbits. They spawn new firms. There is no possible way we can expect this witness to know who populates uh, a, an entire firm that he's My point of order, Mr. Chairman, is simply this. If, if there are names, if there is a list of names he can be given of the lawyers to whom she, uh, uh, she's referring, I think that's fine, but I think it's unfair to suggest that a, an entire law firm should be imputed into the witness's memory when he doesn't know who works at the law firm. So I'm cutting it off there because Sheldon Whitehouse, who's another senator, he starts talking and, you know, making points of order about the points of order, and it gets pretty fucking boring and in the weeds. But as soon as Kamala Harris comes back, she immediately as she should, like a pit bull, she latches onto the question and she gets right back to work. Note that, but also note what uh, Mike Lee just came up with. And now how miraculously Brett Kavanaugh has a line of defense. Sir, please answer the question. I don't know everyone who works at that law firm center. And have you had any discussion with anyone ever about Bob Mueller and or his investigation. So you said Bob Mueller, or, so have oh, I ever had a so discussion he, about Bob, Bob Mueller? Bob I Mueller? used to work in the administration with Bob Mueller. What about his investigation? Have you had a conversation with anyone about his investigation? I'm sure I've talked to fellow judges. Anyone aside from fellow judges? About Bob Mueller? About his investigation, sir. <laughs> Who's that? I'll ask again. <laughs> but only, I asked the question just a minute ago. I'm surprised you forgot. Have you had this conversation with anyone about the investigation that Bob Mueller is conducting regarding Russia interference right. with our election or any other matter? The fact that it's ongoing, it's a topic in the news every day. I'm, I talked to... Uh, it's uh, talk to fellow judges about it. It's in our, you know, it's in the courthouse in uh, the District of Columbia. So and I guess uh, and I'll ask the answer to that is time. yes. So the answer is yes. Okay. And did you talk with anyone at Casowitz, Benson, and Torres? You, you asked me that. I need to know who works there. I think you can answer the question without me giving you a list of all employees of that law firm. Well, actually, I can't. Why I, not? Because I don't know who works there. So that's the only way you would know who you spoke with? 
I, I want to understand your, your, your response to my question, because it's a very direct one. Did you speak with anyone at that law firm about the Mueller investigation? It's a very direct question. Right. I'd be, I'd be surprised, but I don't know anyone. I don't know if the, uh, I, I don't know everyone who works at that law firm. So I just want to be careful, because your question was and or. So I want to be very literal. That's, that's fine. I'll ask a more direct question if that's helpful to you. Did you speak with anyone at that law firm about Bob Mueller's investigation? I'm not remembering anything like that, but I want to know a roster of people, and I want to know more. So you're not denying that you spoke with well, anyone? Well, I, I said I don't remember anything like that. Okay. I'll move on. Okay. Clearly, you're not going to answer the question. So exactly like you said, Jesse, um, oh, thank you. he took Mike Lee's talking points and adopted those. And that became the response that he used for the rest of her question, uh, her one question. <laughs> no, yeah, not even questioning. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was very disappointing and a shady tactic uh, because I would have liked to have seen what she could do uninterrupted. Yeah. With the pressure that she was putting on him. Um, and when are we going to hear more about this? Yeah. Why would he not answer the question? What has, and obviously, by the way, Kamala Harris knows the answer to this question. It seems as though. <laughs> and he knows the answer to the question. And he likely knows that she knows the answer to the question. And everyone knows that that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> or that it doesn't look good. It's a little scary. Yeah. I mean, what is he talking to Donald Trump's lawyers for about the Robert Mueller investigation. Being the nominee to be on the, the Supreme Court. I mean, it, it does, I don't want to, you know, fuel conspiracy theories because I don't know that this is the case. We need to have more information. But all they're doing is setting it up to be like people to think that it's a quid pro quo. He got the nomination and he's talked to these individuals about the Mueller investigation and what might be coming his way if he was to have a seat on the Supreme Court. Well, and later on in her questioning, she actually covers the essing of the D that <laughs> Brett Kavanaugh did with Donald Trump yeah. when he said, no president has ever consulted more widely yeah. or talked with more people for more background to seek input about a Supreme Court nomination, you know, than Donald Trump yeah. did with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's a weird way to talk. Yeah, how, well, first of all, how the fuck would he know? Yeah, but uh, Kamala Harris also asked him at one point, quote, can you think of any laws that give the government the power to make decisions about the male body? Wow. And he said, I'm not, I'm not think of any right now, Senator. I'm not, I'm not think of any? According to oh. this, yeah. Wow. How articulate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Kamala Harris makes him nervous. Uh, yeah, I, w I would be nervous too. Well, listen. There's a reason he's not answering the question. And as Mike Lee said to refute that, yeah, there are a lot of law firms. But the other thing about Washington, D.C. is it's a very tight-knit group. And Brett Kavanaugh isn't going to be randomly having a conversation with some random lawyer about the Mueller investigation. Right. If he's speaking <laughs> about the Mueller investigation, it's to someone he is familiar yeah. And he would know where they work. Yeah. He he doesn't need he does not need a fucking roster of employees. Mm -hmm. That is bullshit. Mm -hmm. This is alarming. Well, <laughs> 
I mean, I don't want to be like a body language expert turd person. Um, <laughs> but we we all we all listen to that and we can all kind of figure out just from our own experience with being like caught. Yeah, of course. Well, you know when you've caught somebody in there. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. and when she first asks the question, it's kind of like wait a minute, where's this going? Yeah. You know, well, where where it's kind of shocking to him. <laughs> I'm trying to like, think Like, what'd you to... just say? You just said the name of the, it, it, of the firm? It was and... like this. I'm trying to do like a cartoon gulp. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. So something's happening here. And I hope that we get more answers. Although I'm not hopeful because most of the responses to the Kavanaugh hearings have been positive. I mean, yeah. even um, liberals are saying, yeah, he's he's probably going to get confirmed. He is so. probably going to be get for confirmed. And that's why this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And listen, don't be distracted by the woman who sat behind him and people say she had a white supremacy. That's all. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that that is a conspiracy theory and people are just trying to snatch at straws. Because reputable people, that Zima or Zena, whatever her name is, Mm -hmm. reputable people say that is not who she is. She worked for Ted Cruz. She hasn't been a Trump toady until recently after a series of jobs she ended up working in the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. So I... Don't get distracted by the things that don't fucking matter. This is a big deal. This should be talked about. This should be posted about. This needs attention. So we'll move off that. I'm well, sure should, we're should, going to be covering his uh, hearing more. Should 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 uh, <laughs> should we um <laughs> should we give the the number if people want to call to tell their senator to vote no yes. on Kavanaugh hashtag hashtag stop Kavanaugh. Yeah, what, what <laughs> you is, try to say it. What it's is hard. It? Hashtag stop Kavanaugh. Is it uh, apparently it's really easy. Two zero two 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 five. Nope. Two zero two 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 four. Yep. One two one two. No. Uh, two one two one. Here, will you stop? You're gonna confuse people. Okay, this is the real one. All right. Two zero two, two two four three one two one. Three one two one. I knew that. God damn it. Yeah. That's the Capitol directory, everybody. And then you can tell them no. Two zero on Kavanaugh. Two zero two 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 four three one two one, and uh, they will. They'll say, "What's where do you live?" They might even know from your caller ID. They will connect you to your senator. If you need to call back to connect it to your other senator, do so. Even just say uh, that you want to talk to Collins. That would be fine, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's definitely a gatekeeper in this matter. There However, um, no, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, call Collins. Will they say, hey, you can't because you're calling from a California number? No, they won't say, no, you can't. It's just they don't take the weight. Uh, it doesn't hold as much weight because you're not a constituent. Mm. So anyway, l- let's let's move on. The other thing that is happening, we talked about it uh, today, we talked about it on uh, 444, is the Bob Woodward book. Hey, it's hard to say. You try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Second podcast in a day. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so the Bob, Wood- Wood- the Bob Woodward book is coming out yeah, on it is. September 11th. Isn't mm. that right? Uh, I believe so. Or is that when actually. you get your new shoes? <laughs> That's also when my new shoes will be delivered. Thank you very much. Labor Day sale, everybody. (laughs) 
So um, Bob Woodward's book is coming out, and the administration is now kind of in a full court press to try to push back on this and label it lies, label it fake news, as they always do. So much so that Sarah Sanders took to uh, Good Morning America today with George Stephanopoulos and did a little interview. Now, it, it's going to cut off because like there's a lawnmower going behind her that they didn't have not mow the lawn while she's giving an interview on the lawn of the White House. Well, it's Good Morning America. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway. It's it, not Fox News. It, it's going to cut off. But she it, it, after right when she gets cut off is when she starts spewing. I guess I can explain it afterward. But, you know, since I'm such a professional, I'll do it now. <laughs> uh she starts just kind of rambling about the accomplishments of the uh, administration. So you're Perfect. not really you're not really missing anything. You're not really missing anything if you don't even listen to the clip. So, <laughs> Press Secretary Sarah Sanders joins us now. Sarah, thank you for joining us this morning. You put out that statement saying the stories are fabricated. The president himself said it could be just made up by the author. But as you know, Bob Woodward has hundreds of hours of tapes. Are you really standing by the assertion that he's just making these stories up? Look, he may have hundreds of hours of tapes, but I think most of those probably come from some disgruntled former employees. It's a lot of anonymous sources. What I can tell you is I've worked alongside the president, under the president, for the last three years. I was part of his campaign. I've been part of the administration since day one. And I can tell you that the president, uh, everything so far that I've seen out of this book, doesn't depict what's going on in the building behind me. The president laid out an agenda very clearly during the campaign. And since day one of taking office, he's delivered on that agenda every single day. You can't have the type of success that this president has had if what that book says is true. Well, and you have people like General Mattis, General Kelly, two American heroes come out and call the book pure fiction. I would certainly rather take uh, the word of those two individuals than a couple of disgruntled former employees that are anonymously attacking this president, trying to make him look bad for no other reason, did, I guess, than to build themselves up. They did go on the record, but as, as you know, the, some of the stories in this book are, are tracking with other books that have come out about this White House with reporting that comes out every day about the White House. You haven't seen denials from Steve Bannon or Reince Priebus or Gary Cohen or H.R. McMaster. And, and Bob Woodward has a reputation spanning five decades. I want to show you what one of your predecessors, Ari Fleischer, worked for George W. Bush, said. He said, never once, never did I think Woodward made it up. Woodward always plays it straight. Somewhat told it to him. And even President Trump in that phone call we just saw with Bob Woodward said Woodward had always been fair. Sorry, George, I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you, but... What's great about that, sorry, George, I'm having hearing the windstorm, everybody, is she doesn't answer... She heard enough to answer with all of the accomplishments, but doesn't answer the actual question that he asked. Mm -hmm. Shocking. And also, <laughs> how many disgruntled employees are there? Mm -hmm. I mean, really. <laughs> Yeah. Because his book is going to span probably dozens of sources. And it's not a, just a couple of disgruntled employees. He didn't talk to Amarosa and base his book on that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got hundreds of hours of tapes. It's a serious deal. Yeah. Well, again, it's just anything they can say. Yeah. For sure. I mean, they're grasping at straws, mm -hmm. as they are every single day. Yeah. So the other thing is that Brent Hume talked about the Woodward book uh, a couple of days ago on Fox News mm -hmm. on a panel. Yeah. And what he said was very <laughs> was alarming enough at the time that you brought it to my attention. Uh -huh. I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Mm -hmm. 
but it makes it more alarming today after this anonymous op-ed in the New York Times. Here is Britt Hume. And this is his takeaway from the Woodward book. Yeah, and this seriously is would be enough for an entire episode in and of itself. This is a problem to have this idea and have this be a positive to talk about on Fox News. It gets to an interesting question because what you see here portrayed in the, at least the excerpts that we've seen from the book is this volcanic president who lays about himself in the most demeaning ways to the people around him, walks right up to the edge of what would be incredible, disastrous decisions all the time, and prepared to do this, that, and the other thing, restrained apparently ultimately by, by aides around him uh, much of the time. And we, there's an account in there of a document he was about to sign to do something, and they came and took it off his desk. So what does that say to the people in the Never Trump movement particularly on the right, who don't think that people who are serving in the Trump administration should do so because it, you know, it participates in this, in this fiasco of a presidency. It seems to me that the lesson that comes away from this is thank God for the people around Trump who are keeping him on the straight and narrow to the extent they can, because that's a service to the country, it seems to me, without question. Thank God for the people around Donald Trump who are keeping him on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that is a service to the country. Yeah. Can we get a president that doesn't need to surround himself with people keeping him under control and removing papers from his desk so that he doesn't make decisions? <laughs> that is exactly right. It's it's pretty remarkable that he can take because <laughs> he can't deny he can't deny the reporting. Right. No. Um, he has to take the reporting seriously because Bob Woodward is reputable and, and no so- credible person doesn't believe Bob Woodward. And so this is what he does. This is the spin that he does, that the people who are protecting the president, preventing him from making decisions, um, ensuring that he can have some emotional regulation by watching TV and eating cheeseburgers for as long as he needs to. <laughs> yeah, and keeping the maids from changing his bed. Um, like, that, those are heroes, and the never-Trumpers need to recognize their sacrifice that they're making in preventing like nuclear war <laughs> because of yeah. the, our moody president. That's right. What? That's and, a, and, yes. And you should have seen Martha McCallum's face. And uh, I think Brett Bear was next to her. Yeah. You should have seen their faces. They're just staring at him like, <laughs> wait a minute. What? This is where we're going yeah. with this? This is the point that that we're at? Yeah, Even I, on Fox News? It, it was almost like, I don't think you think, I don't think what you're saying is what you think it is. It's not awesome like you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't have been well received on Twitter. So that came on the heels. That was a couple days ago, two, maybe three days ago. And then today, the New York Times released an anonymous senior White House official, senior administration official who wrote this anonymous op-ed, and it is not good for Donald Trump. The New York Times published an anonymous op-ed that editors say was written by a senior official in the Trump administration. The op-ed is titled, quote, I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration, and it details the way in which the author and his or her colleagues are, according to the op-ed, working to thwart part of the president's agenda and his worst inclinations. The author writing, quote, to be clear, ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the Trump administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. But we believe our first duty is to this country and the president 
President Trump, continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. That is why many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. A shocking, shocking op-ed written by an anonymous senior official in the Trump administration. CNN's Caitlin Collins is at the White House for us. White House for us. And Caitlin, this, this follows excerpts from the bombshell book by Bob uh, Woodward. The book comes out uh, uh, next week, but it fits in with this general theme that there are senior officials in the Trump administration who are trying to protect the country from President Trump's worst impulses. That's right, Jake. You can't ignore the timing that this is coming out just one day after those excerpts from that book, making stunning claims about things that uh, Bob Woodward alleges that the defense secretary, the chief of staff, several other people close to the president who work with him on a daily basis have said. And now we have this stunning op-ed in The New York Times with a a rare uh, thing for them to do to publish an anonymous senior official in the White House or a, a senior official in the Trump administration, they say. They don't say if he wor- this person works inside the West Wing or in the administration generally. But this person essentially making the same argument as a lot of those claims in Bob Woodward's book, saying that they uh, do not agree with the president, that they, they are staying on in their job in the administration to help thwart what the president wants to do in order to essentially save the country here, Jake. Uh, not only does this person go on to make these stunning claims, they cite other uh, people that they say agree with them and feel the same way that are working inside this administration who do not agree with the president, but are here essentially, they say, to save the nation from the president. They cite one person who says there is no telling whether President Trump is going to change his mind from one minute to the next. Now, Jake, this is stunning, but of course, over the next few hours and days, this is going to raise the question here inside the White House of who this person is that went to the New York Times, wrote this lengthy op-ed, essentially backing up every single claim that is made in that Bob Woodward book about the president and his presidency here. So I've read several different places, different journalists are saying that they're going to track down and figure out who this is. There are already theories because of certain odd words used in this op-ed that it is Mike Pence. Load, lodestar is the, the word that's used. And that is a word he's fond of. However, it's also been reported for many months that there is a strategy among White House officials and aides and uh, anonymous sources that they adopt the, the little idioms of, other, of their colleagues to try to throw the scent off of them. Because no one trusts anyone. That's right. <laughs> and they're so really, all out to sabotage yeah. one another. <laughs> It could be Mike Pence, but it really could be anybody. Mm-hmm. But think about, for, I'm critical of this. I think it's a little odd that the, Washington, that the uh, New York Times would, would, would publish an anonymous op-ed like this. However, these are odd times. And as, as mixed of feelings as I have about it, think about this person is risking their job. They are risking their career. So it is serious. And I say that if this it, the more senior this person is, the more serious this is. Now there the, the the New York Times is using the phrase senior administration official. So it's not somebody low level, but really that's kind of what we need to figure out is just how senior an official it is because the more senior 
the more serious this is, pointing to the walls closing in on Donald Trump. But I'm going to, I want, do you mind reading this? I can read it. It's long, longer than normal things we read. Jake Tapper read half of it, but I'll read the first half and add the second half onto it. He, he read the, uh, the full half? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, just, just read it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll stop you and talk about, because there's a few lines in here that I think are stunning and serious and need to be talked about. Okay, well, first I want to read the little note that the New York Times wrote on it. So the Times today is taking the rare step of publishing an anonymous op-ed essay. We have done so at the request of the author, a senior official in the Trump administration, whose identity is known to us and whose job would be jeopardized by its disclosure. We believe publishing this essay anonymously is the only way to deliver an important perspective to our readers. Okay. Uh, let me Let me say this. That, I think, is an important point. They know who this person is. That has to stick in Donald Trump's craw. That has to bother him. That this person not only did this anonymously and wrote this, um, felt that the, the situation was dire enough that they needed to alert the nation, but that they did it on the pages of the New York Times. So the title is, I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. Subtitle, I work for the president, but like-minded colleagues and I have vowed to thwart parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. Here we go. Yeah. President Trump is facing a test to his presidency, unlike any faced by a modern American leader. It's not just that special counsel looms large or that the country is bitterly divided over Mr. Trump's leadership or even that his party might well lose the House to an opposition hell bent on his downfall. The dilemma, which he does not fully grasp, is that many of the senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. I would know. I'm one of them. To be clear, ours is not the popular, quote-unquote, resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. But we believe our first duty is to this country, and the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. This is why Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. The root of the problem is the president's amorality. Anyone who works with him knows he is not moored to any discernible first principles that guide his decision making. Although he was elected as a Republican, the president shows little affinity for ideals long espoused by conservatives. Free minds, free markets, and free people. At best, he has invoked these ideals in scripted settings. At worst, he has attacked them outright. In addition to his mass marketing of the notion that the press is the quote-unquote enemy of the people, President Trump's impulses are generally anti-trade and anti-democratic. Don't get me wrong, there are bright spots that the near-ceaseless negative coverage of the administration fails to capture. Effective deregulation, historic tax reform, and more robust military, and more. But these successes have come despite, not because of, the president's leadership style, which is impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective. From the White House to executive branch departments and agencies, senior officials will privately admit their daily disbelief at the commander-in-chief's comments and actions. Most are working to insulate their operations from his whims. 
Meetings with him veer off topic and off the rails. He engages in repetitive rants and his impulsiveness results in half-baked, ill-informed, and occasionally reckless decisions that have to be walked back. Quote, there is literally no telling whether he might change his mind from one minute to the next. A top official complained to me recently, exasperated by an Oval Office meeting at which the president flip-flopped on a major policy decision he'd made only one week earlier. The erratic behavior would be more concerning if it weren't for unsung heroes in and around the White House. Some of his aides have been cast as villains by the media, but in private, they have gone to great lengths to keep bad decisions contained to the West Wing, though they are clearly not always successful. It may be cold comfort in this chaotic era, but Americans should know that there are adults in the room. <laughs> we fully recognize what is happening, and we are trying to do what's right, even when Donald Trump won't. The result is a two-track presidency. Take foreign policy. In public and in private, President Trump shows a preference for autocrats and dictators, such as Vladimir Putin of Russia and North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, and displays little genuine appreciation for the ties that bind us to allied, like-minded nations. Astute observers have noted, though, that the rest of the administration is operating on another track, one where countries like Russia are called out for meddling and punished accordingly, and where allies around the world are engaged as peers rather than ridiculed as rivals. On Russia, for instance, the president was reluctant to expel so many of Mr. Putin's spies as punishment for the poisoning of a former Russian spy in Britain. He complained for weeks about senior staff members letting him get boxed into further confrontation with Russia, and he expressed frustration that the United States continued to impose sanctions on the country for its malign behavior. But his national security team knew better. Such actions had to be taken to hold Moscow accountable. This isn't the work of the so-called deep state. It's the work of the steady state. Given the instability many have witnessed, there were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president. But no one wanted to precipitate a constitutional crisis. So we will do what we can to steer the administration in the right direction until, one way or another, it's over. The bigger concern is not what Mr. Trump has done to the presidency, but rather what we as a nation have allowed him to do to us. We have sunk low with him and allowed our discourse to be stripped of civility. Senior John McCain put it best in his farewell letter. All Americans should heed his words and break free of the tribalism trap with the high aim of uniting through our shared values and love of this great nation. We may no longer have Senator McCain, but we will always have his example, a lodestar for restoring honor to public life and our national dialogue. Mr. Trump may fear such honorable men, but we should revere them. There is a quiet resistance within the administration of people choosing to put country first, but the real difference will be made by everyday citizens rising above politics, reaching across the aisle, and resolving to shed the labels in favor of a single one, Americans. So Jake there, Tapper did not read the last half of that. He did not read the last half. <laughs> <laughs> it just kept going. Um, there are several things. One, the, the the two words or the two turns of phrases that were used, some people have said that the use of first principles might be Mattis. And then others have said, Lodestar is Pence. Some of the alarming things in this, though. First of all, let me say this. And I tweet it. Let me just read the, the goddamn tweet. The terrifying problem revealed in the anonymous New York Times op-ed is that Trump is dangerous for entirely different issues than the ones that we already are familiar. 
There are even more frightening dysfunctions with Trump only known to his closest staff at the highest levels. That is a problem. That was my tweet, by the way, that I'm reading. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I like it. This is a problem. It's not just the Trump we see on TV, the Trump that I'm always whining about. There are serious issues that serious individuals who work at the highest levels of this administration are saying, sounding the alarm. That's a problem. Yes, yes, yes. It's also, though, so this just continues to be confirmation. So every day that goes by is just confirmation of what we have believed is going on with with the um, comforting cheeseburger binges to soothe the tantrums and the inability to emotionally regulate. I mean, honestly, everything that we've been hearing about that we had hoped isn't actually going on just continues to be confirmed first with things that are not reputable, like Michael Wolff's fire and fury. Mm -hmm. Then with something that is reputable, Bob Woodward's upcoming book fear. Yeah. And now someone who's a senior official in the Trump administration, anonymously like sending a message (laughs) that, um, everyone around Donald Trump is trying to prevent him from doing his job. Using words like preventing his reckless decisions. That don't worry, there are adults in the room, this person says. Saying that Donald Trump fears honorable men like John McCain. This isn't just a letter to Donald Trump. This is a letter to the country that bad shit is happening. Yeah, I will also say that... Sorry, babe. Dear honorable man, reckless decisions, adults in the room. Yeah. Also, though, um, we don't know who this is. Again, I know. Yeah. And, and that needs to be repeated. Yeah. And like they weren't elected. So they're basically saying we're in here and we're the ones who are running things. That's a problem. Um, and just relax, guys, because we have it under control anonymously. Yeah. <laughs> um, Talking about a deep state or a shadow government. Yeah. What What's going on here? Listen, I have that problem with that, too. Either he is a fucking uh, uh, a danger to the country and needs to be removed mm-hmm. or shut the fuck up, sit the fuck back and let him do his thing. And it sounds like he's a danger. Then they need to invoke the 25th Amendment and get him the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Quit messing around and running the government when you're not elected. There is no process by which, uh, you know, what is this? Woodrow Wilson, who had a stroke, and then his wife was signing documents and, and spearheading policy while he was laying in bed in a coma? Yeah, I'm not comforted that there are adults in the room. I don't know which adults you're talking about. We also didn't vote for these adults. Who are the adults that you're referring to? Right. And what are they doing? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Like, I'm just supposed to take this anonymous person's word for it. I mean, I understand that what they're saying here must be true and that they, I believe it to be true. Yes. Because the New York times isn't going to do this. Um, They're not going to put themselves in this position to have this actually not be an actual senior official who wanted this published. I mean, they're going to do the legwork to ensure that this is reality because they can't 
they can't take that. Um, Donald Trump's already attacking them, of course. Yeah. On Twitter. Um, treason? Question mark. Yeah, yeah. Well, l- let me before we get to that because I want to talk about his tweets. Okay. Thanks for I would have forgotten that. Um, there are lines in this art in this op-ed that are that are alarming. That really they do bring to the forefront the issues that need to be addressed relative to the competency of Donald Trump, the efficacy of him as a leader, as president. They write, the root of the problem is the president's amorality. Amoral, the lacking a moral sense, unconcerned with the rightness or wrongness of something. They're saying Donald Trump is amoral. That's a problem for the president of the United States to not be able to have a natural sense to recognize rightness from wrongness. They say President Trump's impulses are generally anti-trade and anti-democratic. Again, they're saying the president of the United States, that his impulses are anti-democratic. That flies in the face of his obligation and his oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, or domestic, not just domestic, mm-hmm. <laughs> because we are a democracy. Yeah. Well, that's something that I, I'm kind of trying to hit on when I say we don't know who this person is. Yes. Is this person someone who's appearing on TV and um, actively pushing against the media when they try to ask questions, getting to the heart of this issue right here? Yeah, like a Kellyanne Conway type figure. Right. Who's defending him at every turn on air in front of the American people, yeah. but then behind closed doors says th- something like this and writes this. And believes this and is panicking yeah, just like everyone else. That's right. It's it, This is a problem. You're complicit. Yes. You're yes. complicit. Well, even if they aren't on TV, they're complicit. Because as far as I'm concerned, they're violating the Constitution. You don't get to run the country. You don't get to make decisions like that. You don't get to undermine the President of the United States. He's either unfit or he's fit. They also say, quote, successes have come despite not because of the president's leadership style, which is impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective. That's not much of an indictment. That's just about his leadership style, but it's still a problem. And then finally, the bigger concern is not what Mr. Trump has done to the presidency, but rather what we as a nation have allowed him to do to us kind of a fuck you my message to them we have not allowed him to do anything to us he didn't win the 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 popular vote in fact he lost it by millions this is we haven't laid back and allowed this to happen so all in all i got i have a problem <laughs> You do? I have a problem. <laughs> and then Donald Trump, who's losing his mind, he has a group of uh, sheriffs from around the country who are getting ready to have a photo op with Donald Trump. And he gets asked the question, what do you think about this? And Donald Trump goes on this rant and rave 
And every time he maligns the media and maligns the New York Times and you hear applause in the background, just imagine a group of dozens of uniformed police officers who are applauding and praising this unhinged maniac. He's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This, person, this is what we have to deal with. And, you know, the dishonest media, because you people deal with it as well as I do. But it's really a disgrace. Uh, I, I will say this. Nobody has done what this administration's done in terms of getting things passed and getting things through. A article was just printed, just came out a few minutes ago. Trump breaks the record for budget gridlock wins, scores big wins. So for 20 years, it's a 20-year record. For 20-year record, they call it the fouled-up budget gridlock and scores big win. Here's your thing. So this just came out. So in 20 years, uh, it hasn't been like it is now. It's we broke, we broke it. That's just really positive stuff. And then in addition to that, Point after point after point, if you look, uh, almost four million jobs created since the election, of which many of you more Americans now employed than ever recorded in our history. So we have more people working today than at any point ever in our history. We've created 400,000 manufacturing jobs. Manufacturing jobs are growing at the fastest pace in more than 30 years. Economic growth last quarter was 4.2%. And as you people know, it was headed down big. And it was a low number, very low number. It would have been, in my opinion, it would have been less than zero. It was heading to negative numbers. New employment claims recently hit a, a think of that, the unemployment picture in the country is the best it's been in 49 years. African-American unemployment lowest in the history of our country. Asian-American unemployment lowest in the history of our country. Hispanic-American unemployment lowest in the history of our country. I mean, I'm just looking at these just point after point. Uh, under my administration, veterans' unemployment reached its lowest in many, many years. The, uh, let's see, almost 3.9 million Americans have been lifted off food stamps just since my election. Then you go into all of the benefits that we got from the tax cuts. All of you people benefited tremendously from the tax cuts. Thank you, sir. You go into regulation cuts. You go into right to try. Right to try is where you have the right, if a person's terminally ill, you have a right to go and try and see whether or not uh, a drug that's uh, not approved yet can be used and utilized. They didn't allow that. A point after point, getting rid of the individual mandate, the most unpopular thing there is in Obamacare, coming up with new health care plans. We've never had a period, even if you look at the Olympics, got the Olympics, the uh, World Cup just got, you just saw them, they were in my office, got the World Cup. Nobody has, and we have started the wall. Nobody has ever done in less than a two-year period what we've done. So when you tell me about some anonymous source within the administration, probably who's failing 
and probably here for all the wrong reasons. No. And the New York Times is failing. If I weren't here, I believe the New York Times probably wouldn't even exist. And, and someday... And someday when I'm not president, which hopefully will be in about six and a half years from now, the New York Times and CNN and all of these phony media outlets will be out of business, folks. They'll be out of business because there'll be nothing to write and there'll be nothing of interest. So nobody has done what this administration has done. And I agree, it's different from an agenda which is much different than ours, and it's certainly not your agenda, that I can tell you. Thank you. It's about open borders. It's about letting people flee into our country. It's about a disaster and crime for our country. So they don't like Donald Trump, and I don't like them because they're very dishonest people. Remember this also about the New York Times. When I won, they were forced to apologize to their subscribers. They wrote a letter of apology. It was the first time anybody's ever done it because they covered the election incorrectly. So if the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous, meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. Uh, We're doing a great job. The poll numbers are through the roof. Our poll numbers are great. And guess what? Nobody is going to come close to beating me in 2020 because of what we've done. We've done more than anybody ever thought possible in, it's not even two years. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. And then this group of coward cops cheers him while he maligns the media, the constitutionally protected free press in America. As he says, He's the only reason that CNN is in business. They've been in business since the 80s, but apparently they need Donald Trump to continue. There'll be nothing to write. Because, you know, when Obama was president, there was nothing to write about. The New York Times was failing. Apparently it had been failing for many, 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 many years in America. So not only that, uh, but he continued to tweet about that after tweeting that video (laughs) that he was so proud of. Um, He said, does the so-called, quote, senior administration official really exist? Or is it just the failing New York Times with another phony source? If the gutless anonymous person does indeed exist, the Times must, for national security purposes, turn him slash her over to the government at once for national security purposes. He's threatening to prosecute someone within the government for criticizing him. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. Well, and then wait for this one. <laughs> Turning them over to the government. I'm draining the swamp, and the swamp is trying to fight back. Don't worry, we will win. <laughs> uh, Perfect. That's just an appeal to the base there. Mm-hmm. This is... This is serious business, folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to see. This just broke today, late today. So it's it's going to be all that's talked about tomorrow. And there's going to be all kinds of uh, guesses and predictions. There's probably people out there already who are trying to piece it together more than just, 
identifying a word or two. Yeah, I, uh, I Nikki, Dr. Nick, who's officially Dr. Nick, by the way. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, um, Dr. Nick. He sent me a tweet from Mike Kearney, who is an assistant professor at the Missouri School of Journalism. Mm. Oh, yeah, right. And he did an analysis in R. Um, Explain what R is. Nobody knows what R is. <laughs> R Studio. It's um, it's like SPSS, but you for data analysis, mm, and okay. you you use code to right. run the analysis. It's a lot of fun. And um, he posted a correlation correlation matrix that he created based on the uh, tweets from cabinet members. Um, from C-SPAN. So he basically pulled, I believe I'm looking at his R code here. He pulled um, 3,200 of the most recent tweets for each account from mm-hmm. um, the, the cabinet. And so he downloaded the Twitter po- profiles via C-SPAN, their cabinet list. And then he took the 3,200 most recent tweets and basically did like a word analysis mm-hmm. to determine who the most likely candidate is based on these tweets. Um, using for- sci- using uh, a more uh, scientific method than just, oh, Mike Pence has used the word lodestar before. <laughs> yeah, but also you have to you have to take this with a grain of salt because he is using like tweets. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know if if what someone tweets is comparable to like what they would write in an op-ed. You or know? or if that cabinet member actually tweeted that or if it's just some staff member. Yeah. Or and, multiple staff members. Yeah, and I did an advanced search on the VP account, which is on the list. We'll get to his uh, correlation coefficient here in a second. But um, he has not tweeted lodestar star mm-hmm. so i searched for that word to see if that would have triggered but yes vp pence does have the highest correlation a very strong oh. correlation um 0. 0.80 however the next highest correlation is president trump with 0. 0.79 and we know it's not him <laughs> yeah so so, um, I mean, people are trying. This is what I'm getting yeah, at. Going people, to the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, people are trying to figure it out using like word frequency analysis and stuff like that. So um, maybe you'll see something a little bit more. I'm going to, I'll pin my hopes on reporters who are going to be intrepidly tracking this down. Yeah, I do have to say this was really exciting, though, that um, people are going to R and yeah. downloading the tweets and doing an analysis. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Well, this we're going to follow because it's going to be huge. Uh, I got another clip here from Hallie Jackson at NBC talking about his mood because he's, you know, he's losing his mind right now. I think she described it as volcanic in the White House right now. Um, We're going to follow this. I don't know if we're going to get to another episode this week, but maybe, maybe. I've got jury duty on Friday, possibly. Mm-hmm. I've got a call in on Thursday night. So I don't know if we're going to get to the hashtag third episode this week. We certainly will next week. Um, but you, you, you never know. There might be a surprise pop up and we'll we'll be back here in the morning or something. Yep. <laughs> God, I hope not. But maybe so. Before we bang out of here, though, I want to drop the phone number. 657-464-7609. We want to hear from you. You can also leave a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. You don't really leave a voice memo. You send a voice memo. Either one of those ways, you can contact us. We'd love to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts on this. Am I overplaying this? What do you think? 
Please help us move the conversation forward. Taking care of biz. Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky. Yes, I am a fan of Monica Lewinsky and her recent work on anti-bullying. She was in Israel and she was giving a talk about bullying and social media. And she gave an interview afterward. And there were specific things that were off limits. Uh, she says that that the Israeli television news company had agreed to that Bill Clinton questions were off limits. Uh, they are denying that that agreement ever existed, but Monica Lewinsky says that it did. She also speaks with pretty um, specific, uh, much specificity related to what happened. There was a conversation immediately before going on stage. Right. You know, I mean, there was... I believe what she's saying is true. Well, also, her appearance wasn't related to that. It was about yeah. bullying. That's what she was there to talk about. And that's not how it went. And that issue. Um, you, you talked about being abandoned by the main figure in the crisis who knew me intimately. Now, recently in an interview uh, in NBC News, um, President, former President Clinton was rather irate when he ad- was asked if he ever apologized to you personally. And he said, I, I apologize publicly. Do you still expect that apology with the personal apology? I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to do this. So it was the first question that was asked. That's the remarkable thing. The first question. That it was the very first question asked. Yeah. And I read some reporting on this where where headlines were saying, Monica Lewinsky storms off the stage. No. She was very respectful. Yeah. She put the mic down on the table and she got up and she walked off. There was no storming. There was no yeah. anger. There was no yelling. She just politely said... I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm so sorry. And got up. A perfect example of civility. Yeah. And setting boundaries for yourself. She set there was an agreement in place. This is not something that she's there to talk about. This is not. <laughs> she's not a spectacle. Yeah, I'm not going to be bamboozled. Yeah. And so I, I totally respect this move. I think it's really important that she set that boundary, that she forced them to um, adhere to their agreement, even though they're not yeah um and yeah i thought it was really powerful she's listen we've talked about her in the past and she is certainly a character who has uh she's taken a lot of shit and really if anybody had any damage done with relative to their life and their reputation going forward after the the incident with bill clinton it's her not bill clinton people defend him to the hilt and then she's looked upon as the 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 slot or whatever mm-hmm. um you know the the indiscretion falls on her shoulders not him not mm-hmm. the president of the united states uh, i'm not going to go into what i think about bill clinton i've talked about it ad nauseum but uh good for her seriously taking care of biz very very well well earned somebody should let her know that she got the award mm-hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> all right well we're gonna leave you there this this uh 
same day episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. Again, we want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Email your voice memos to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. $20 down here to a half by 30 $30 down here to a half by 30 $30 down here to a half by 30